guys are passing out the outline this morning, and while they're doing that, if you would, take your Bibles, and let's go ahead and turn over to the book of Romans this morning, the book of Romans. Here, Heidi, you need one? You got one? Oh, you want to pass this around? Yeah, I'll take one. All right, Romans chapter number five today, Romans chapter number five, and uh, great lesson this morning. Now, just just a little uh, disclaimer <clears throat> that I'm just following the text this morning as we're going through this series on unpacking, uh, hey, Cyril, and uh, as we're unpacking the Christian life, and so I uh, want you to understand this morning that as we follow the Word of God, that there are uh, negative things, there are positive things in the Word of God. If you follow the Word of God, if you read enough, here's what you find is Jesus actually spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And I think the reason is because he's trying, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this morning, the lesson begins on a negative note, but it quickly moves to something positive. So you notice the title this morning we oftentimes talk about amazing grace, and I love the amazement of God's grace and how God's grace is sufficient in our lives. And so beginning in verse number 12, let's read the word of God this morning down to verse number 21. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For it is through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And all God's people said amen to that, right? So the Bible says in verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment which was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a great passage this morning. I'll tell you, uh, you talk about a loaded cannon this morning. Those verses are so full of tremendous things that we need to get a hold of in our lives. And you pray for me this morning. I just want to do justice to this passage 
And I want to be a help to you as I think about the life that I live. And of course, you think about your own life this morning. I, I think about this passage. If you notice, it kept mentioning by one, by one. And then it said by one man and by one man. And clearly we understand even prior to this and through the word of God that those men that it's referring to, the first man, of course, was Adam. God created man in the Genesis account, and God created Adam, who was the first man. You think about this, if Adam was the first man, then hopefully you would agree with this, we all are descendants of that one man, right? I mean, we, we all might have maybe a different nationality today, maybe different color skin, maybe a different accent this morning, uh, maybe you were born in a different place, but ultimately, if he was the first man, all of us have descended from that one man. But you think about the other man that was mentioned, that man is Jesus Christ. You see, everything that Adam, the man that God created, everything that Adam did, or should I say didn't do because he disobeyed God, you find that Jesus fulfilled what the first man failed to do. And I'm so glad for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and I hope you are too. But when I think of life, okay, uh, I just spoke to a man yesterday. His name was Lester. And I was talking to him at his door, and I was talking about the very thing we were, we're going to study here this morning about what the Bible calls sin. Now, we, you know, the world today has all different kinds of, of, of terminology that they use. But if you cut away all the fat and get to the meat, what you find is it's all sin. It's all sin. And that's what Paul's dealing with here because when we think of sin, what we do as human beings is we tend to downplay sin. We tend to try to reduce sin, to not make it as bad. Like you ever heard the little statement, it was just a little white lie. You know, just now again, if it's sin in God's eyes, it's sin, right? Do you agree? So when we think about this, we a lot of times make ourselves bigger and we make ourselves better than what we really are. We paint ourselves much better than what we really are. And so this is, this is something that we see this morning that when we do that, it makes Jesus and the grace of God smaller and smaller when we make ourselves bigger and better in our own eyes. So notice the first thing Paul addresses is, first of all, sin is worse than you think. See, again, we always think, well, it's not that bad. You know, I'm not that bad. But notice letter A, sin is a condition. It's not merely just a behavior. It's a condition. It's, look, if it was a behavior, then here's what we, if, as a behavior, we would try to always be managing this, this sin problem in our lives. We, we will always try to relate uh, to Jesus, but here's what we do is, if we think that it it is something we can manage, a behavior, then it's going to be something based on our works, what we can do or how we can keep his rules. Now, you know what the Bible says, that if you offend one point, you've offended it all. Uh, no one can keep the law. You know, we're all guilty. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. See, behavior is not the basis of a relationship. Did, did you hear what I said? Behavior is not the basis of a relationship. 
generating good behavior is not God's primary objective. God's not trying to get you to behave. Listen, God has given you and I something that many times we refer to different ways, but according to the Word of God, it's just God's given us a will or a free will. He's given us an opportunity to be in a relationship with Him. And the truth is, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with me. So behavior is not the foundation. Behavior is the fruit, okay? Behavior is not the foundation of a relationship. Behavior is the fruit. Jesus, if you study his life and what he came to do, Jesus is not a behavior modification specialist, if I could put it that way. Look at the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, the Bible talks about the Lord says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are what? We're healed. See, it's through the death of Christ. It was his death that changed us. It wasn't some behavior. You know, you hear people talk about turning over a new leaf. Okay, folks, listen. The only change that's happened in your life and mine has been generated by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what he did for us. See, he is truly a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And the amazing thing, and I think this is why I call him my friend, is this, is that he knew everything about me, and yet he still died for my sins. He knew my condition. See, sin is not just a doing problem, it is a being problem. We're not human doings, are we? We're human beings, okay? So the first thing you need to see this morning, because the, the, the biblical point is this, sin is worse than you think. It's worse than you think. It's, it's not a condition, it, or excuse me, it is a condition, it's not merely a behavior. Look at letter B, and again, I think this just makes biblical sense, Sin is death in us. It's, it's, it's destruction bound up in our, in our makeup. You know, we hear a lot, uh, you know, a lot of the forensics and police departments, things like that. They, they actually have something today that years ago they did not use, and that was DNA. And, and when you think about what makes us up, sin is hardwired into our human heart. We're born sinners. You know, that's just the, that's the nature of it. Every last one of us, sin is something that resists God. It defies the authority of God. It resents God's ruling in our lives. Sin is what causes us to rebel against the very laws of God. That's what sin does. It leads us to, to, to worship our own little letter G, gods. Sin is what uh, help, well, really causes us to pursue our own needs. It, sin is something that we end up trying to please our own desires. Ultimately, here's what it does. Sin replaces God in our lives. It, it, it dethrones God. It places self, you and I, on the throne. That's what sin does. Sin drives God away. The, the Old Testament prophets said, our sins have separated us from our God. Look what the Bible says here in Romans 5, 12, in this 
passage we just read, as by one man sin entered the, into the world, notice the phrase, and death by sin. See, that's what we have to look forward to of living a life of sin. It says death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Uh, Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is enmity against God. It's, it's the very enemy of God to think fleshly, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what is sin? It's an assault on God, on God's right in your life and mine, His right to be God. See, we need to let God be God in our lives. But sin keeps God from being on the throne in our lives. Look at the third thing Paul addresses. He says here, notice letter C, that sin is in us. It is what we are made of. Uh, you know, I think back to my life and look, I, today I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I talked to that man named Lester yesterday. It was the second door I knocked on. And I, told, I asked Lester, I said, do you know Christ as your Savior? I asked him a few other questions, and I, I'm always kind of careful how I ask things because, you know, some, some questions are leading, and people can just, they can follow right along with what you said and just give you answers, but they, it's really not uh, the truth of what's in their heart. And so Lester answered the question, and, and I, I got from his answers that there was probably a good chance that he was saved, but he alluded to the fact that, that after he got saved, that he, he sins, and because of the sin, he doesn't know for sure if he's saved. You with me this morning? And I think that's the way a lot of people are. And, and again, part of it is that they've just never really fully understood or studied the Word of God on what we call eternal security. And it, by the way, if you struggle, that would be a great topic for you to, to, to cover from the Word of God is how secure you are because you've been saved. And so, I, you know what I did? Look, I didn't give him some big theological answer. I just went to John 3.16. And I said, have you ever heard this verse? And I started reading it to him, and I saw the look in his eyes. And I said right there that whosoever believeth in him, I said, who's him? And he said, Jesus. I said, have you done that? And he said, yes, I did. I said, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, so you believed in him, so according to God's word, not me, the Bible says that you should not perish, but you have what kind of life, Lester? And he said, everlasting. And my question to him was, Lester, how long is everlasting? And he said, it's forever. And then he got this smirk on his face. And I said, is that what I said or is that what God said? And he says, no, that's what God says in his word. And I said, so what do you think, Lester? I said, if you were to die today, where would you go? And he goes, I'd go to heaven. And, you know, if nothing else, I may never see Lester again, but maybe God's word and maybe the messenger helped him understand that, listen, even though he may sin, that he still has eternal life, that God's never going to take away something that he's already given to us. And it was a blessing to share that because, look, sin is something that's woven into our flesh. Sin is woven into our mind. It's in our intellect. It's in our emotions. I mean, just because we're saved doesn't mean we're perfect. <clears throat> I get around a lot of Christians, and myself included. And I'll tell you, sometimes as Christians, we just don't act like Christians, do we? 
That old flesh just kind of keeps popping up in our lives. And uh, that's why we, Paul wrote under the inspiration, I die how often? Daily. Every day you've got to put the, the flesh to death. You've got to say, listen, <coughs> excuse me, I want to walk in the Spirit. <coughs> excuse me. And so uh, God, when he dealt with sin, and this is important, that when God does show in his word how he dealt with death, God dealt with death ultimately. God dealt with death with finality when Jesus died on the cross. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, these great verses. Verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, the word means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So notice that, look, even though sin is in us, understand that when God dealt with sin, he dealt with it ultimately. God dealt with it with finality when Jesus died on the cross. And only when we recognize, and this is very important, when we recognize our true condition. Okay, Remember, the point here is sin is worse than we think. See, the problem is this gets in the way. When we recognize our true condition, we will see the exceeding riches of the grace of God. And so, folks, I want you to see this morning, although it starts on a negative note, look at number two, that sin, yes, is worse than we think, but secondly, Jesus is better than you think. Now, a lot of times people think, well, I know Jesus is good. He's been good to me. He's been good in my life. But you and I, look, we, we oftentimes underestimate the love of God, that God's love is greater than we think. God loves us patiently. Would you agree with that? God, look here, God loves us unconditionally. Think about that one. His love is unconditional. You know, like a, like a mother's love for her children. Her children can do anything to her, and she still loves them because she is their mother. God's love is unconditional, and God's love is perfect. But here's the key. God's love has nothing to do with us. Let me say that again. God's love has nothing to do with you or me. It has everything to do with Him. It's all about Him. Why? Because it's His love. The, the love of God, it's the very essence of God. We can't do anything, we can't behave in any way that would make Jesus love us any more than He already does. There's nothing you can do today. You know, and you might say, well, I'm at church. I made it to Sunday school today. God loves me better today than he does yesterday. No, God loves you just as much today as he did the other day. See, we, we cannot get any more of the love. God already fully loves us. We can't offer him anything that he doesn't already have. Think about that because he already owns everything, right? Everything is his. Nothing should motivate us more than the fact that Jesus loves us in spite of who we are. 
See, there, even your spouse this morning, if you have one in the auditorium with you, no one probably knows you in life better than God. And even though he knows you better than anyone else, he still loves you. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing that God loves us in spite of who we are. Look at the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. See, in our flesh, according to the word of God, there's no good thing. We're worthless apart from Jesus. We need the Lord in our lives. Isaiah said we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Look, God's grace doesn't motivate us to sin. If we really understand the grace of God, then we'll understand this, that look, sin is worse than we think, but Jesus is better than we think. And then look at the third thing this morning, goes right along with our message, is that grace is bigger than you think. Now, look, all of us have experienced the grace of God. Where would we be without grace? Uh, I'll tell you, I know where I'd be. I'd still be headed for a Christless eternity. I'm glad for the grace of God. See, grace is God's unconditional acceptance of, and love for us. It is, listen, it's an environment in which true spiritual transformation can unfold. God gives us his grace so that we can become more like him. That you and I can live the life that God saved us to live. Salvation, again, is not just turning over some new leaf. For anything good to come from our existence, somebody said, the old diseased nature must be done away with and we must be made into something brand new. Now, you and I can't do that. You know, you think about it every year, what happens? People always make these New Year's resolutions. You know, we, we want to be something different. And I tell people sometimes who are struggling, maybe with a family member, a spouse, something like that, and, and they express how, what they would want for that person. And I tell them oftentimes, you can't change someone. Only God can. Only God can. And, and look, it's not my job or yours to change people. It's God's business. Now, we can pray and we can try to be a friend. We can try to encourage people. But ultimately, it's the Lord that changes people by His grace. When we got saved, when we trusted Christ, according to the Word of God, here's what happened is we were grafted in uh, to a new vine with a new life source and what we became when we got saved was we became a living testimony of the grace of God. Look what the Bible says in John 15, 5. And I love this whole passage, but here's a great verse. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Now, you know, nowadays, we, we wouldn't use the word vine. We would be thinking more of like a tree trunk, the source. And, and you think about a tree, how it gets its nourishment from the ground, how that, that there's the source of life, 
and that when there is life in that vine or in that trunk, the main part of that tree, that those branches then have nourishment. And oftentimes you might see, depending on the type of tree, you might see some fruit, you might see some leaves, whatever it may be. And that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to be alive in Christ. See, we're connected to Him. And because we're connected to Him and He's the life source, there ought to be some fruit, some evidence in our lives that God is at work. Well, that's what we call the grace of God, that God's grace has been extended to us. Notice we see a couple things about His grace. Letter A, His mighty grace. Uh, again, what we try to do is we try to measure greatness in ourselves. Can I tell you this morning that self, you and I, can trump grace in our minds? Many times we think that we're better than other people, and our thinking many times uh, gets in the way. The implication is, is that Jesus, sometimes we think uh, that, that, that I've done this, I've done that, and that Jesus kind of made the slight difference. He kind of helped me get over the top but that kind of grace isn't amazing. It, it, it's not amazing. It's barely necessary. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is great, and His grace is what's great. You think about the grace of God. Look what the psalmist said, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. See, in perspective, we are fully dependent on him. Remember we just read, without me you can do nothing. We're fully dependent on the Lord. Why? Because he is great, not we ourselves. If we're going to serve him, look what Paul wrote to those in Ephesus. He says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Did you see what the Bible said this morning? It's not you trying to be what you want to be. You are his workmanship. He's working in you. His grace is working in you. And notice it's unto good works. God wants to use his mighty grace in your life that he can use your life to manifest himself to other people. I'm glad for the mighty grace of God. Uh, you know, I, th I think of an illustration this morning that in my garage, a lot of times, depending on what it is, and the other day I was doing some, some yard work and things like that, I've got, I've got different gloves that I wear, and I've got some heavier gloves that I wear when I'm doing things that might have uh, uh, thorns and things like that. I've got some thinner gloves when maybe I'm just messing with some dirt or whatever. And, and you know, those gloves, they, they just lay there on, on my bench in the garage. But if I pick that glove up and I put that glove on my hand, and that glove and that hand is a great illustration because when you think about that, your life and mine, that glove is us. But the hand represents Jesus. And when we put our lives in Christ, it's no telling what God can do in us and what God can do through us by his mighty grace. And that's what he's saying this morning is, yeah, sin is worse than we think, but understand this morning, Jesus is better than you think, and grace is bigger than you think. You know, our journey with Jesus, can I tell you this morning, it's all of Him, it's all of His grace, 
And by the way, it's all undeserved. We don't deserve God's grace in our lives, but God gives us his grace. See, it's mighty grace. But notice number two, I love this thought, is it's continuing grace. God doesn't just give you grace and say, there you go. It's something that God gives to us over and over again. God's grace continues with us. Remember what I said about Lester, and many of you look like you uh, could relate to that, is that even though we're saved, we still sin, right? And, and that's, Paul writes a lot about that. You, you know that Paul must have really struggled, just like many of us, with sin. And that's, that's why we need continued grace. It's because every day we struggle. And can I tell you, God's grace is going to be in your life for the duration. It's not like God says, look, I'm going to give you grace to this point. My wife does a great job in our office, and uh, most of you have no idea, but my wife does a really good job of just managing and keeping control of a lot of the financial things, the bills that come in for the church, and I, I really appreciate her doing that. And, and the other day, she, she says, they must have charged us extra for, uh, you know, because the, I don't, I don't know if, in, in life, you deal with a lot of things, and there's a lot of things here in this area. <clears throat> in our dumpster, the church dumpster, if we overfill it, they charge us extra. And, and the first time that happened, I, I told Kenny and Chris, I said, that'll never happen again. If we have more garbage than we can put in there, we're going to figure out something. Walmart's behind us. I mean, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, really, Pastor? No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but, I, I, you know, if, if it's like branches or whatever, we just put it behind the, the corral out there and we'll wait until we get the next time we can fill it up or whatever. And, and my wife said, they must have charged us. And she said, did you overfill the dumpster? I said, no, I didn't overfill the dumpster. And I said, I don't think Kenny and Chris overfilled the dumpster. Well, we got a four-yard dumpster. I said, it, you know, unless we're doing yard work or something. And she says, well, the, the bill increased. And I said, well, how much? And if I remember right, it was $52. And my wife, I didn't, I didn't say, hey, look, you need to. She just jumped on the phone. She called the city and said, Hey, listen, I think you made a mistake. Well, come to find out, they had a five-year uh, thing that they had, and, and it expired, and without, without telling any citizens, they just increased, and that was the increase, $52. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, and it, it's a monopoly, the, 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 the waste management. That's my message this morning is not on waste management, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm pretty upset about trash this morning. And, uh, but, but here's the thing is, is that I, I needed God's grace. You know, I'm thinking they raised $52 for garbage, you know, and, and, and every day, you know, we, we wrestle with things and it's something that, that on multiple levels we're dealing with things. But look, if you've been saved for any length of time, can I tell you that, that the flesh is alive and well, the transformation in your life is not over. We are all under construction, folks. Every last one of us, until the, until the Lord comes back and we face, and I think a lot of you know of some of the internal struggles. I mean, I just jotted a few down. Pride, anger, envy, fear, anxiety, doubt, rebellion. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Those are things that are internal struggles that every one of us face on a daily basis. And guess what? 
God knows every one of them too. God knows what you're facing. God knows what you're going through. There may be something this morning that you're dealing with, but in spite of all those internal struggles, listen, God still loves you, and God still accepts you. That's what I'm talking about, continuing grace. As a matter of fact, the the Bible tells us God smiles on us with delight. You know why? We're his children. God knows we're not perfect. But we need to be working in our lives to be more like Him. Why? Because when God smiles on us, here's what He sees. He sees His own dear Son. He sees the Lord in our lives, and that's the only good thing about us. Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. See, every day. Do you feel like my wife said to me yesterday, she said, did you get a good night's sleep? I said, no, actually I didn't. And I said, I felt like I wrestled all night. Anybody else ever? Sometimes I feel like I, I wrestle all night. And I told her, I said, guess what? I didn't win either. But you know, that's the way it is every day, is it not? You get up in the morning and it's not like, hey, I want to go pick a fight with somebody. I was watching a little bit of the ball game last night. I was sitting doing some stuff. I was listening to a message and I I didn't have the sound on, but I had the the Red Sox were playing the Seattle Mariners and and I heard them talking and I I turned it up and they said, uh, this is is 2017 and 100 years ago, 1917, some of you, Brother brother Gilbert might remember this. 1917, in Fenway Park, in the very ballpark that that game was being played last night, that Babe Ruth was on the mound pitching. Game started, Babe Ruth threw pitch number one, ball. Pitch number two, ball. Pitch number three, ball. Pitch number four, ball. Babe Ruth charged the umpire behind the plate after the fourth pitch and got into it with him and then threw a punch and hit him in the head and knocked the umpire over on the ground and they ejected him from the game. The pitcher that came in that relieved Babe Ruth threw a scoreless game and they combined for a no-hitter. Four pitches. Now, I don't think Babe Ruth went into that game thinking, I'm going to throw four balls so that I can throw a punch at an umpire and get ejected. It cost him 10, get ready for this, 10 game suspension cost him 100 bucks. (laughs) Tomorrow, you might get up and something might happen, ball number one. Something else might happen, ball number two. Something else might happen, ball number three. Something else might happen, ball number four. And your old flesh is going to be tempted to charge someone and throw a punch. And you're going to get ejected from some situation in front of some other people. And it may hurt you, but it's going to hurt the Lord more than it's going to hurt you. And you've got to understand that sin is worse than you think. 
Jesus is better than you think. And grace is bigger than you think. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you'd bless all of us as your children, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Lord, I think of how many times I have failed you, failed in life, and I'm so thankful for your grace. Thank you for the encouragement this morning. Lord, no doubt the fact, the reality is that all sin ultimately is against you. But I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through him that we have experienced your grace. Lord, help us. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.